0: This is when uh, Jesus has just crossed the, the, um, the Sea of Galilee, and there was that great storm. And he's been asking the disciples, where's your faith? Because you, you're, you're moving into a very dark um, part of the world. the, The Jewish believers, the disciples, are moving from Capernaum, their hometown, a place that felt comfortable. They knew people. People lived like them, ate like them, dressed like them. And they're moving across the Sea of Galilee into this area called the Decapolis which is a very pagan area, and in the middle of this journey, this great storm comes up, and he's just trying to say, I need you to have faith, because this isn't the real storm. We're just about ready to hit this spiritual storm when we hit the next beach, and I need you to be prepared. And so they hit the beach, and of course, then they meet this demon-possessed man named Legion, and Jesus heals Legion, and then we get to verse 15, Mark chapter 5, verse 15. And they came to Jesus. This is the town coming out to see Jesus after he's healed legion. And they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was sitting as he was getting into the boat, the man, the man known formerly known as Legion, who had been possessed with the demons, begged him that he might be with him. And Jesus did not permit the man, but said to him, "Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you." And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Let's take a few moments to reflect together on God's word. Well, some of you might remember Benny because he was here maybe a year and a half ago. I can't quite remember how long it's been. But he came because he was involved with, uh, he's the chief executive officer, he's not just involved with, a ministry called Alpha Ministries, and Spence Hackney is on the board of Alpha Alpha Ministries, and so that's how we just began this relationship, and then Spence and I and Holt Evans and David Heinrichs uh, went with Benny to India in March of this past year. And uh, we helped out medically, Holt helped out medically, and Spence and Dave and I taught some of the pastors there. And really, uh, it was, um, if you've been on these kinds of short-term missions projects, as you know, you got a lot more than you gave. And I think one of the things that was um, so moving was watching these pastors, maybe there were 80 or 100 of them in, in a couple of these different conferences, and they'd made a great sacrifice to get to the location that we were in. And then when we came back, uh, just the, I think it was the Sunday we returned. And we were here on, on a Sunday. And Benny had sent us a picture of one of the men who had been beat up in his village for proclaiming the gospel. And so it was, just, uh, it was um, humbling to be somebody who could speak to these people and try to encourage them. And then, of course, at the end of the conference, they stand up and applaud me. And I think, gosh, I just don't have anything like what you have. I mean, I'm going to go home and, I mean, I'm going to walk out of here and have a great meal. And I'm going to go home and my neighbors are my members of the church. And I'm not going to have that kind of threat. But these men and, and, their, and their wives and their families, at really great cost to themselves, trying to penetrate a very dark culture. And Benny leads that. I mean, he was talking about 180 pastors they have and the folks they're trying to support. And it's quite a big movement, as you might imagine, especially trying to reach India. And he's doing a great, great job, and it's a great privilege for us to have him. There are lots of material back on the uh, missions table, not the information table, but the missions table. Books you can read if you want to sponsor a child to get a Bible and a backpack, you can do that. Benny will be there for uh, some time after the service, so if you want to talk to him and ask him some questions. Uh, But he's going to talk to us a little bit about India and tell us a little bit about Jesus from Mark chapter 5, and let me pray for him first. Heavenly Father, what what an honor it is to have this your servant who leads such a great movement in such a difficult place to try to help us see something we can't see. So take your Holy Spirit, use this man and his experiences Use the Word of God to transform your people, we pray this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.
1: Good morning. It's great to be here this morning, and thank you, Pastor Paul and church. And thank you for sending Pastor Paul, but we are not that happy with Mark and Spence coming together. You don't know what happens when two of those teenagers get together and... And uh, it it was fun having both of them there. And thank you as a church taking up the challenge of supporting our pastors on the front line and praying for them, as I saw this morning. And uh, Dr. Holtz has a lot of plans for Alpha Ministries, but nothing is going to work. Um, He, I mean, we had a fun time sending this team over, and we are looking forward to greater times in the coming days to see what God can do. And if you um, have (coughs) our... Um, if you come to the table, there's a card like this. If you fill up, you can, you can get our sign up for our newsletter. And uh, you can pick up one of these books too. And, and uh, this morning we are going to talk from... Uh, let's go to the next one. Mark chapter 15. Pastor just read the scripture. And this is, a, as Pastor mentioned, a very familiar passage. And here we see that Jesus um, is with the twelve in this place and... All of a sudden, this man who was creating chaos and trouble in that community, and uh, he was running from one mountain to another mountain, and no chain or nothing could stop this man. And when he was freed, he became in his right mind. That's what the scripture says. Right at that time, people were what? Afraid of him. And they didn't want to do anything with him. That's where we see that in the scripture. That Jesus comes and changes him and Jesus tells him to do something when he wanted to get on Jesus team. We all want to be on Jesus team. But as this young man wants to be on this Jesus team, Jesus is telling him, I have five things for you to do. Go home, that is charity begins at home. Tell your friends that those people who don't know about him, tell them and to your family what great things God has. Has done for you. Don't go and have a five point sermon. And a poem at the end. But just share what great things. God has done for you. And how he had compassion over you. That is the most important thing. How he had compassion. Because of the grace of God. That we are here this morning. And what did he do? And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis. And Jesus had done for him. And all marveled. Can you imagine when he started talking about Jesus People marveled. People, they, they, they were kind of surprised to see the great power of God work in this man who was creating chaos in that place. So this morning in this scripture, we are going to see four important things. The tragedy of the person, the transformation of the person, the testimony of the person and the task for the person. The first thing we are going to see is the tragedy of this person. A man with an unclean spirit who had been dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him. Means this man, he might have been someone's son. He might have been someone's relative or a husband or a dad. We don't know. But he was demon-possessed. Jesus' goal was to give people freedom from their sin and Satan's control. And the evil spirit wanted to take control of him. And uh, that's what we see in the scripture here. And I'm, I have seen a lot of demon-possessed people and the things working in, on the front line you know, in India. As you see in this picture here, this lady, when she gets possessed with spirit and things, the Hindu religion has their rituals that they do. And um, we have seen a lot of those things on the front line. And I have seen, you know, in meetings when people have come to prayer and I've seen them speak, those people who live in the villages who never spoke in English will speak to me in English saying that, I'm going to kill you. I'm looking for a tile. And I would be surprised. How could this kid speak English as these people came to those villages? You know, so demon possessing and those things are there. I mean, that's happening. And in that place, God has given us an opportunity to bring the light of Jesus Christ. The world is waiting to hear this truth of who Jesus is and give the light of Christ to those places. You know, I'm going to show you another picture. Can you keep rolling to the third one? This is a bullock cart. Several years ago, I was in India with our projectors and going to show the Jesus film in one of the villages. And our van broke down. And we could not travel much and uh, we were waiting. People like Pastor Paul and others ask, what happens? I mean, what if we have something happening like an accident on the road? What happens uh, in that case? Do we have 911? No, we don't have 911. We have Psalms 91.1. We wait on God and he, he helps us. So here this van broke down and we couldn't go further. So I saw this bullock cart coming like this. And I told my friend who was with me that, can I get on that bullock cart and we can go? And he said, sure. And let's get, we put all our projectors on it and we started traveling on this bullock cart. And I'm a city slicker; I never had that privilege of getting on a bullock cart like this and to see this Two bulls, 900 pounds on both sides, and this skinny little Indian man with sunburn on his body and a turban, and he's controlling this. So I just started a conversation with him, and I asked him, do you know that, I mean, how? this is amazing that you're controlling these two bulls. And he said, yeah. And it was fascinating for me to see him to accelerate these bulls. he will do is just twist the tail of the bull, and the bull starts running. And to stop it, he would put the feet behind the two legs and it stops. I said, man, this is great. Do you know that someone controls the universe like this? He said, I guess so. I said, do you know about Jesus? He asked me, which village does he live? Friends, there are villages after villages who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is our duty, our responsibility to go and share this goodness with others. The second point we see is the transformation of the person in verse 15. Then he came to Jesus and saw the one who had demon possessed. He was clothed in his right mind. Can you imagine when you come to Jesus, you get the right mind. Even though when we are in our right mind, the world will say, look at them. They're crazy. Doesn't matter. But when we we are in right, how can we become in right mind by coming to Christ? And I'm sorry, I have to look back and forth this morning. So we see here the transformation of the person. They, they feared the power of Jesus in that place. They wanted Jesus to leave that place. And that is what is happening across the world. People are not happy with what Jesus is doing in people's life. They think the truth is an interference for them. They don't want anything to do with the truth of Jesus Christ. And here we see that here as this man is healed, they are not very happy with him. They want him to leave. That's what we read in Job chapter 21. In verse 13, they said, They spend their days in wealth, and in a moment go down to grave. Therefore they say unto God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy way. I mean, they don't want anything to do with God. You'll ask why there is so much of persecution happening around the world. Because they don't want the truth. They don't want anything to do with the power of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and th- that's the same thing here. We are seeing the situation around the world, in Pakistan, in India, in the Middle East, that people don't want the truth of Jesus Christ. That's why they persecute our people. I'm going to show you another slide. This, you see that there are 120 reported attacks just in India in last one year's time. And this is a Twitter account that I had. I had to shut it down. They they are writing things where they want to stop us from, me from coming to India. I mean, there are threats coming to my family in Madison Heights. You can keep rolling the next one. And this is a man who is a Hindu leader in India. And he has proclaimed that by 2020, India will be a Hindu nation. And that's the way they are attacking and uh, creating problems for us. This pastor you see here, his name is Pastor Kanagamani. and. He was building a new church building. We supported him to build this church building. He was praying and protecting that place in the night from militants coming and, you know, looting the cement and um, bricks. So he was sleeping there at that night time. And uh, one, one night while he was there praying on his knees, the militant came with a bucket of acid, came and threw the acid over him. And, you know, uh, he ran into a nearby tank of water that was there for mixing of cement. And he jumped into that water and he says that, Benny, God put his hand on my eyes so that he protected my eyes to see the word of God and read the word of God. I mean, even today, when he lifts his hands up, during summertime, it still bleeds. But nothing is stopping him from preaching the gospel. He's every day going out and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to show you the next film. This is my brother. He's baptizing in the middle of the night. Because in that area where we have our church planting work, they, they gave us a warning that you could not baptize people. And the only light we had that night was the flashlight. And that's how we took the picture. But is that stopping us? Those threats, are they stopping us from sharing the good news of Jesus Christ? No, we are, we, we are continuing to do what God told us. And the world will hate us because we are standing for Jesus Christ. This young man, 21 years old, he he, was, uh, he he had a desire to go around India and share Jesus. And he had a sign on his neck with other youth from the Bible college that he put a sign on his shirt saying that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he went around India and preached the gospel and prayed for cities and came back. God gave him a desire to start a ministry in one of the villages nearby. And as he was preaching there, people came and threatened him to leave the village. He never did. He continued the work. One day his dad called him and he said, "That Son, I found a girl and I want you to get married with her and I want you to come home. And as he invited him home and he took the train and he was coming down, a couple of guys on the train said, I want to know more about Jesus. Can you come to the next place in a compartment and share with us? They, the last they saw him was leave that compartment where he was in moved to the other place and guess what after a few days we found his body on the railway tracks 21 years old was mutilated and his we found his dead body how did they recognize it because in the jacket he had an id card from alpha and pe- police called our office and said do you know ashish and i was the one who picked up the phone and i couldn't even believe that Something like this could happen to the young man. At the funeral, the father got up and said, I mean, the devil took one son. I have another son. I'm going to send him to be a church planter. And today, he is preaching the gospel in an area where Pastor and I, we went and did a conference. The next one, this is Pastor Dheeraj. This young man came from a high caste Hindu family. His father opposed him. Why? Again, same reason. Because he found the light of Jesus. And his father treated him like a lower caste guy. The entire community treated him as a low caste person. He will go to the local coffee place or tea place. Here we have Starbucks. Starbucks. We have Starbucks, you know. <laughs> we took them to the store. And when he goes and buys a coffee there or tea, they'll give him in a clay cup. So that after he drinks, they want to throw, break that club, a cup. He went through a lot of persecution and hardship. Never gave up, continued preaching the gospel. And God in that same time raised up another woman in another community from the same people group. And she got saved. And, you know, through e-harmony, sorry, through God-harmony, <laughs> God brought them together and they got married. And they wanted, they were both doing church planting work. One day it so happens that this young, um, the couple had um, she was pregnant with her first child and the night when they had to go to the, she had the labor pain and she had to go to the hospital. She could not go because, they, I mean, they didn't have any vehicle. So they went and asked the neighbor, can I borrow your motorcycle? They said, no, we cannot let you borrow. The untouchables cannot borrow this motorcycle. He went to two other homes. They all said no. Finally, this pastor took this, his wife on a bicycle reached the hospital. By the time they reached the hospital, the baby in the womb died. Did that discourage him? Did that tell him that, where is my God? Why is this happening to me when I'm serving God? No. He stood faithful. And you know, after that incident, God blessed him with two more children. Recently we bought him a new motorcycle. Not only that, but he has planted over eight new churches in previously unreached area. Never gave up. But stood faithful to the call of God. The next one. This is Pastor Benny. The militants came inside their home and they tied him up and took the Bibles and hymnals and everything. And they started burning it and they beat them up. And when I went and met them after a few days, the lady is crying. She's not crying because they beat her up or her husband. She's crying because the word of God was burned by the militants. I mean, people are willing to lay down their life for Jesus Christ. And the world hates him because they stand for Jesus. The next one. This is Pastor Sharma. That's what I was talking about. This young man was working in Dell. He had a very good job. He was a high caste Hindu guy. He had a vision of Jesus Christ, left everything, started becoming a servant of Jesus. He wanted to go into an unreached area, started a church planting work. And he had a lot of opposition from the local people. One day, he went to a village and he was sharing the gospel. He saw a great crowd standing in a home and he thought, what's happening? Because of that crowd, he went near to them and he saw a baby was sleeping in the middle, a young girl about 12 years old, and the family is crying. And he asked the people standing there, what happened? They said, she was bit by a snake and she died. He, by faith, went in and moved the crowd. He laid the hands and he prayed, God, do a miracle in this place for your glory. Guess what? Right, he prayed. The girl woke up. The husband, the dad, and the mother started trusting God. And they started attending the local service church. But the community pressured the father saying that you are letting this heathen people come here with foreign gods. You should not let them come here. And one afternoon, the father was kind of brainwashed with other community leaders. And guess what? When he came to visit them, they stood there and they beat him up. Mercilessly that he has kidney problems and things. Did he give up? No, he's still continuing to share the good news of Jesus Christ. The next one. This was last Sunday. Two of our pastors. You can roll the next one too. They were beaten up because they were preaching the gospel. Friends, they will oppose us. They will do whatever they can. The world hates us because we are followers of Jesus Christ. I don't like to say that I am a Christian anymore. I want to tell people that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And there, that's when we are a follower. We stand for Him. We see His work, His hand guide and lead us. So the first thing we saw is the tragedy of the person. The transformation of the person. The third is the testimony of the person. They found Him sitting at the feet of Jesus. That should be our testimony. When people look at, at us in our community, they should know that they, they are Christians. They are different. They, 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 are, they are outwardly and inwardly. everywhere they are different. This man got a total change. He became a changed person. He was clothed. He was irritating the community. Today he is in his right mind. As Jesus came into his life, his thinking has changed. His, he acts different. He dresses different. And he lives a different life. People... People, he's different and at the same time what? The world hates him. The people around him hates him. The man's life has so changed that he wanted to become a disciple of Jesus. And he wanted to follow Jesus' team. He wanted to be on board with Jesus. But you see what Jesus does is he gives him a task. That's the task for the person is what? Go home to your friends. Tell them what great things God has done. What we do every day is go out and tell others what Jesus has done in our life you don't need many things to share take every opportunity that God gives us to go and share with others what Jesus has done in our life friends I was one day at Walmart and in Ohio and I'm getting this oil change because the check engine sign came so I went to this Walmart and the guy asked me what's your name I said Benny Matthews he went through a small computer in his hand And he said, oh, do you live at this address? I said, yes. I said, man, this is amazing. A small computer in your hand can tell you everything. He said, yeah. And he is not paying attention. I said, do you know that the Bible says in Isaiah that he has engraved your name in in his hand? God knows your name. We have just invented this tool. God knows everything. He said, I guess so. I mean, any opportunity you get, you need to tell others. One time our computer was broke and I needed some help. You know, me and Spence, we always talk about this. Spence thinks that I look like Indian means I should be be a very good tech guy. No, I'm not a... (laughs) So I tell him, I'm not a tech person. So the computer had some trouble. I called up this company and they said, Can you give me permission to get into your computer? So... My mouse can go and fix this thing. And I gave him the permission, signed up on that. And all of a sudden I see a pointer coming in and he is fixing my computer. I said, where are you? He said, I'm in Kansas. Why do you ask? I said, this is amazing. The way you, I gave you computer um, permission and you come in and you're fixing this problem. I said... Isn't that amazing that we give our heart, we give permission for God to come into your heart. You know, he takes control and he, his light comes into your life and your entire landscape changes because Jesus comes into your heart. And he said, I think so. <laughs> I said, I come from India. We worship 336 million gods and goddesses. But the truth is only in Jesus because he came, he died, he rose up from the dead and he has promised, he has guaranteed that he's coming back again. Should I trust him or anybody else? He didn't want her to know. So what I'm trying to say is everyone has an opportunity every day to be a testimony for him. The task that is given to all of us, not just for the pastors and the leaders of the church. It's a task given to all of us to go and share this. This young man who, I mean, who was demon possessed, he got so well. He had this passion to go out and share with others what great things God has done. And that is what we do as a ministry. We go out, train people, as you see in the next slide, that, you know, they, will, they are ready to go out. This year we saw over 100 young people who have graduated from our Bible Institute. And once a year, I get a chance to wear a gown and be like Dr. Fallwell, walk around that place. And I told you, Pastor, maybe Lord willing next year, we'll make him officially the, um, like Dr. Falwell, do these things in India. Can you imagine? These young people are ready to go and lay their life for the cause of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they found the truth of Jesus in their life that changes them. Friends, there is a great need right there in India. I mean, last February, 35 million people, they crowded near the Ganges River. Why? To take a dip into that Ganges River because they believe during that time of full moon, the nectar of eternal life has fallen into that river, Ganges River. And somehow if they take a dip in that, what happens? They will find eternal life. They have to do nothing. All they have to do is just trust Jesus. Friends, in India itself, we have 1.5 billion people. The population of India is almost like Africa and South America combined in one-third the landmass of the United States. A small land with so much people and they are all lost. As I said, 36 million gods and goddesses. Cow is a god. Monkey is a god. Everything larger than life. Elephant is a god. That's how the term holy cow that came from India. And we always tell people that all the cows from America wants to move to India. And all the dogs from India wants to move to America. I live in the Bible Belt in Lynchburg. If I travel from Lynchburg to Charlottesville, I can show you 15 steeples in that short span of 50 miles. I can take you to regions in North India where you can travel for over 250 miles and you will never see a church steeple. They are living in darkness. It is our responsibility to go and share this good news with others. Can you imagine 40,000 Indians every day die and enter eternity without knowing the truth about Jesus Christ? It's our job to go and share this with them. The harvest is plenteous. The laborers are few. Friends, I want to challenge you this morning is we are supposed to go and share this good news with others. Just telling them what God has done in your life. I remember a few years ago, one of the medical team ladies, she came and she said, Benny, my husband passed away and I have this timeshare thing. And I hear that you guys have never gone on a vacation. And I have booked this place in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Would you be interested in going? I can set up everything. I said, I have to check with my wife. And I came home and I asked Lena and she said, okay. I mean, to get a vacation done with kids that are grown up, it's a difficult thing. You have to put, make the clock to stand still to make something happen. Finally, we agreed and we, went to, we planned. I went on Google and looked at the hotel that was about 10 minutes away from the airport, very nearby. So I told my family, we are all packing light so we can fly high. So everybody has one suitcase, small carry-on ones. And my plan is, you know, I'm cheap. I want to land there and maybe walk to the hotel and save money. You don't know. Vacation places are very expensive. So we had flight delays and things. We came back. And when I landed there, I went to the counter and asked, how much is a taxi to go to this hotel? And he said, $50. I said, man, that's a lot of money. And uh, he said, yeah, uh, that's what we can do. I said, okay, it's just five minutes walk. He said, yeah, then you walk. I said, okay. And I'm about to leave. Another guy says, senora, come here. And he called me and I said, what? Oh, where are you staying? I said, I'm staying at this hotel. I cannot pronounce that name. And he said, sure. um, You need a taxi? I said, yeah. How much? He said, it's free. I said, I don't take anything free from anybody. He said, no, this is a free thing. Um, All you have to do is tomorrow morning, come to a 90 minute. I said, do you know, I am a servant of the most high God i i live by faith i don't make money like this to do anything like this. he said no you don't have to pay anything i said no i i don't make i don't have an income to do this i don't want to do this he said sir what what, what do you do i said i'm a pastor he said you're a pastor and listen this is my first day at job and and uh, if you sign up my family will get fifty dollars what would jesus do in this situation <laughs> And I'm saying, no, Jesus, I don't know what Jesus would do. Jesus told me, don't get into this mess like this. <laughs> and he started insisting me, can you do this? And he said, you know, I said, I would take this offer if you tell your boss that Benny Matthews is coming and he's not going to sign up for this. And he said, I'll tell them. I said, are you sure you'd tell them? He said, yes. And I uh, Afterwards, he gave me a ride to the hotel. Next morning, we locked our kids in the hotel room. And uh, my wife and I, we went. They sent us a limousine and we got into that, took us to this fancy, beautiful place. And it was a great place. They showed us all the things. Finally, they came to a room like this with round tables across and everybody has their salesperson sitting with them and here my salesperson comes to our table and said did you enjoy the breakfast I said yes and she shook our hand and said where are you from I said I'm from India and live in Lynchburg Virginia and I'm here for this and um, you know uh, she said how do you like the property I said these are great Uh, and she said what will you be interested I said I told your guy Ricardo at this airport that I'm not buying anything didn't you tell didn't he tell you that he said no he never told me that I said, that's what the deal is. I cannot buy this. And she said, too bad. You will have to sit here for next 90 minutes. I said, sure. I'll sit here for 90 minutes. And I said, you know, I want to share something with you. We have 90 minutes here. I said, I come from India. I was born in India. I was destined to die in India. God brought me to America. And from America, I'm here. I'm not here because of an accident. I'm not here because of luck or chances. I'm here by the divine appointment of God to tell you Jesus is a living God. Because I've seen Him working, moving in my life. All you have to do is... Just ask Jesus to come into your heart. He comes into your heart, and He will turn the lights on. Rest of the roaches will leave the room. And you know what? His light will guide you to eternity. You will live with Him for eternity. That's the guarantee that we have with Jesus Christ. For the next 90 minutes, my wife and I sat down and shared what great things God has done in my life. Friends, we all can do that. You know, we don't have to go and tell anybody that, any big things from the scripture. This is what Bible is saying or the Romans wrote or anything. All you can share is this is what Jesus is doing in my life. Friends, I never had the guts to stand up in front of people and share or anything like that. I, I, even though I was born in a missionary home. My dad came from South India, moved to North India to start this church planting work. I never wanted to be a part of what he was doing. I always wanted to be making money, a businessman. Because I saw the struggle of my parents. They were struggling on the front lines. And I didn't want to associate with that. I wanted to make money, get my family, my brothers out of poverty. That was my desire. I mean, I would, work to, I would go find any job. And I would come home and I would look at the situation in my home. I would get upset at my father and mother. Because for them, the only thing they knew was prayer. Anything we need, prayer. As a teenager, we will go for a T-shirt or a uh, we need a shirt or a uniform. He will say, "Pray." I would get upset. I mean, I remember at seven o'clock in the evening, my dad will call us all five of us, six of us, get them uh, us into that one room we lived, and he would give us that free Gideon's Bible and he would make us pray, and he would make us sing. And I would sometimes get upset at my dad and I would say that, "Where is your God?" If your God is so real, at 7 o'clock, the neighbors are having dinner. We should be having dinner. My dad would say, son, shut up and sit down and pray. For him, everything was prayer. You know, if it is American teenagers, they will call the police. Saying that we don't have food. We don't have this. But my dad always prayed. My mom would take me to the side and say, never talk to your dad like that. She would say that, son, when we first moved to North India... I was about a year and a half old. I would cry in the night, but my mom was pregnant with my second brother. She could not feed me any milk. So she would do is in the middle of the night when I cry, she would get up, she would take a glass of water, she will boil it, she will put some sugar in it, stir it up, and she will pray that God work this better than milk in my son's body. And she fed me that sugar water. And she would remind me that I fed you sugar water. But God turned that into milk in your body. Look at you. You look healthier, stronger than others. And I tell Americans, I'm a better looking and strong Indian, not an American. God did that. I mean, she would remind us over and over how God has done great things in our life. But I didn't want it to be a part of that. I I wanted to do, do something of my own. But I believed in what my mom and dad did. Because I knew Jesus was a living God. Looking at the other gods and goddesses. Jesus was real. Muhammad and the Muslims were there. I knew what their belief was. But Jesus was real. I believed Jesus could help. So I wanted to help my family. I started working at a young age. And finally I came to America legally. And I landed in New York City. And I found a job. I had everything planned. My life. I would find a beautiful job and... After a while, I'm going to have this American dream of having a 9-to-5 job, have a good home, a swimming pool, and a big barbecue pit. You know, and everything. I had all the plans. My wife and I had everything. We we were working in a hospital. She was working as a social worker. I was working in the um, records room. I mean, we had everything planned. I had future plans and everything. Eventually, my plan was, just like all other Indians, Make enough money, move to the south, buy a couple of motels or Seven Elevens, and change your name to Patel. <laughs> I had everything planned. One Sunday morning when we went to church, the pastor was saying, trust in God, follow Jesus. I said, he's talking about somebody else, not me. But my mom was like a Holy Spirit growing up, always sitting on our shoulder and saying that, son, you need to serve God. You need to serve God. And I would say, no mom, you need money. God made me to make money. That's why I would work two jobs in New York. One job for ministry, one job for me. But I never wanted to be a part of this. We had a comfortable life for four years. We were struggling to have a child. One day after church service, as I was heading home, I told my wife, what if God gives us a baby? Are you willing to leave everything and serve God? She said, I'll do anything if God gives us one child. And we started praying the following year. You know, God brings you to a corner to get your attention. And the following year, we left our job. I mean, the following year, God blessed us with a baby girl. We named her Faith Hannah. And now my wife is working. I'm sitting home because I made a commitment. I would open the Bible every day and want to read and understand the Bible. Nothing is becoming clear to me. I'll close it. I'll cry. I'll sit there. God, I want to learn your word. I want, I want to stand up and share your word with others. One afternoon, I went to pick up my mail. And in the box, there was a letter from Dr. Jerry Falwell saying that if you and your loved one will move to Lynchburg, Virginia, we'll give you full scholarship to attend Liberty Bible Institute. And I thought this, in America, nothing can be free. You know, everything has small letters. So I was looking for the small letters. I couldn't find anything. I called the university. Is this real? They said, yes. Is there any catch? Nothing. My wife and I, we prayed, God give us the peace, and we moved to Lynchburg, Virginia in 1995. Every day we have seen the hand of God work since then. Friends, afterwards God blessed us with two more children right in Lynchburg. Today when people ask me, how many kids you have? I have 703, 700 in our children's home, and three in my home. And God has truly blessed and multiplied the work as bringing people like your church into our lives And blessing us and why did that happen because of a commitment to stand for jesus christ when you make a commitment that god i want to do something for you he will make sure that you will get the right tools and be blessed for that we see how this man who was demon possessed who was useless in his community who was creating chaos in his community making people's People have nightmare at night because of his screaming from and running around and breaking chains. When he was changed, he, become the, uh, the, he became the bishop of Decapolis and he has planted several churches. Why? Because Jesus sent him to do that. He has sent us to do the same thing. What we need to do is make a commitment today, this morning, that God, I commit to pray and fast for the lost. When was the last time we have done something like that? That I will take a... Family time and pray and fast. If nothing, just a Daniel fast, saying that God, I will abstain from this thing for one month or one week or one year and I'm going to pray. I mean, we see that so many things are happening around the world. I don't see churches putting marquees saying that, Come, let us kneel together, reason together, pray together for the nations. We don't see those things. People don't have time to get together and pray. We want the government to pray. We want the schools to teach our children to pray. We want the fancy Ten Commandments to be on a fancy building in the government places. But that should be in our home. That should be in our home there where we teach our children to pray, to, to fast. And at the same time, they have a passion for this. My mom, when she became 70 years old, she had everything that a 70-year-old had. All the disease you talk about, you know... Um, and she, she was getting helpless. She couldn't walk much. She One day she said, I cannot do much. I'm going to invite people to come to my home and pray. She invited, made an announcement in the church every morning from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. We are going to pray in my home for one week. That one week prayer became two weeks. The two weeks prayer became one year. From one year, now it has been over seven years. They come together every day and pray. And you know what? In that Bible study prayer, she started training young people. She started sending them to the Bible Institute. Two of them became so effective in church planting. One of them has started that church, um, children's home right in Baroda that you came and you prayed and dedicated up there. How did that happen? Because that young man was trained by a person who had a passion. To do something. When we have a desire to do that. I commit to pray. I commit to fast. I commit to give and have compassion for the lost. God will make a way to see that. Can you imagine last year alone. 60 million people were displaced. Because of persecution. And all the war that is happening around us. More people have been martyred for Jesus Christ. Let's have a commitment to pray. Commitment to send. As a church you are sending. That's a great thing. Continue praying. And as you pray and you send, you'll see and have a commitment to go. That God, if you give me the strength, I want to go. That's what this man did. He went into Decapolis and ten cities where he located many churches in that place. Historians say that. Why did that happen? Because he had a desire to go and do that. We are God's billboard in our city. We need to go and tell others what great things God has done. That's what we see in Acts eight. The commission saying that you shall receive power and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the uttermost part. God has called us to go everywhere, wherever we can and be a witness for Jesus Christ. Winston Churchill was once asked by a reporter what his country's greatest weapon was against Hitler's Nazi regime. Without a pause for a moment, he said it was what England's greatest weapon has always been hope. Can you imagine? We are a people of hope. We are messengers of hope. And we need to go and tell others this message of hope. Can you imagine? All you have to do is, as you leave this place, do three things in your life. Think, thank, and tell. That's easy for everyone. Think what great things God has done in your life. Thank the Lord for what He has done in your life. And tell others, these are the great things that we did. Last night we were at the home and we were sitting after that meeting from here I went to Brother Nathan so we were sitting there and talking about what? What great things God has done in our life. We need every one of us can do one little thing is think, thank and tell. Think about people that have been a blessing in your life. Thank God for them. Tell others and tell them to thank you for being a blessing in my life. You know God is this life is short. Anything can happen anytime. What does James four fourteen say? Life is like a vapor it's gone. But with the, with the help of God, whatever we can do, we need to take that opportunity and do it for the glory of God. We don't know what holds tomorrow, but we know one thing, that today is the day and I want to use this day for His glory. If we are making that commitment this morning, God will help you. You know, don't look at your ability. I am the least guy who could stand up here and share anything like this. I could never think of doing something like this. But God was willing to use me because I made myself available in his hand to be used. If we make ourselves available empty and saying, Lord, take charge of my life, take control of my life, use me for your glory. And as you start thinking and thanking him and telling others, God will do great things through your life. If God can change this man who had legions, over 6,000 spirit in his body, God can use any one of us if we are willing to do What he wants us to do is commit to pray, commit to give, commit to go, and commit to do the best for him. And as you do that, you'll see the greatness of God in your life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. We are a needy people, O God. We need your guidance. We need your help, O Father. I thank you for Pastor Paul and the church in this place. Thank you for what you are doing. I pray you bless this Church, in a great way, O oh Father. Let there be a greater passion as the team in Romania and as they're sending teams into India and to the community here. Help them to, O oh God, be magnify and glorify Your name to the nations, O oh Father. Bless each and everyone this morning, O oh Father. Spirit of God, as You have spoken to us, may it work as You want it to be done for Your glory. We love You, thank You, bless You, and praise You for all that You have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.